When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the week. Time for talking way behind us. We now have week one of the college football season on deck. We've had the appetizer. Now it's time for the entree. We're going to make some picks today. We've had a lot of y'all get in the live chat and previous live shows and ask us for predictions on Florida State LSU, on Duke and Clemson, and on a myriad of games. We're going to pick all of them today live in living color. We're glad to have y'all here. This week is going to have massive implications on the college football playoff race. Let's get into it, baby. We're so glad to have you here. Like I was mentioning, this is the Hard Count, the People's College Football Show. A lot of y'all are new to the channel, new to the show as college football season's kicking up right now. This show is college football and only college football. And also, we don't just go away when the season ends. Like, we're here year-round talking about this sport. We celebrate this sport. It's college football and nothing else. We're glad to have you a part of this. You got a lot on your plate. We got a lot of y'all that are listening at your internship, a lot of y'all that watch while you're at your job, a lot of y'all catching up on podcasts during other things later in your day. Everything on your plate right now, just push to the side. Because like I said, it's only ball right now. We got week one to jump into. Like I said, we got Florida going to Utah. We're going to break that one down for you, give you our pick in that one. We also have South Carolina and North Carolina on Saturday. College game day is going to be there. It's going to be in Charlotte, kind of a neutral site atmosphere. Who runs the Carolinas? Well, we'll find out on that one. You got Drake May and Spencer Rattler. That'll be a lot of fun to break down. Also, Florida State and LSU, probably the game of week one. That one's in Orlando. Remember how that one ended last year now? LSU scores with no time left. About to kick an extra point to send it to overtime. Florida State never says die. They block it. And I promise you, the, the people at LSU now, They've had this one circled since clock struck triple zeros, since LSU missed that extra point, or had the extra point blocked, rather. This is going to be a good one. In Florida State now, a lot's been said about them this entire offseason. They are number one in returning production, are the Knowles. They're thinking college football playoff. They're not just thinking ACC title. Yeah, they want to get that too, but they're thinking they may find themselves in the dance when it's all said and done. So massive implications there on Sunday night. And then we got more ball on Monday. You got Clemson going on the road to Durham, North Carolina to play Riley Leonard and company. Now, the spread in that one is a little bit deceiving. If you're picking an upset in week one, and a lot of people are, are saying, who's on upset alert in this first week? We'll break that down tomorrow a little bit. The game Clemson at Duke, I promise you, as much upset talk is, is going on, you know, who's going to be caught slipping? I promise you, Clemson, they're not taking that one lightly. They understand what's on the other sideline over there. So we're going to break all those games down, give you our predictions in all of those games. We're, ha we're happy to have you here. I want to make sure we get lined up really quick, though, on what happened this past week. I, I don't want to do a recap of week zero. I just want us to kind of get our footing set as we head into the first full week of the college football season. Notre Dame took care of business against Navy. Notre Dame is, is not the Notre Dame of old. Like with Sam Hartman playing quarterback for them, it elevates their wide receiver play. We saw Jaden Krayhouse. We saw him get after it. Saw Jaden Thomas. That's a big dude now. Watch him in the red zone for Notre Dame when they're, you know, starting to uh, be in that high red area. He's going to be a, a threat for them every single time. And that was the talk all offseason is what do they have in that receiver room? Are they going to be explosive enough? And like, that's still a fair question. I don't think we have a definite answer to that just yet. But when I look at Notre Dame and the games they have ahead of them, 
They got to play Ohio State. They got to play USC. They got to play Clemson. In games where they have to score 40 with Sam Hartman, program guy of the week for week zero, Sam Hartman. Congratulations, Sam. With him playing quarterback, you feel worlds better about the game that you can play and the styles that you can fight as a team. So Notre Dame, are they going to win the, you know, the college football playoff? Are they going to be a national champion? Like I, I don't know if we're you know, crowning anybody after week zero, but I'm just saying that the way that they can play now offensively is something to keep an eye on. I understand it was Navy. We're not trying to overreact here. I'm just saying to set our footing, to all get on the same page, this is a very dangerous Notre Dame team. All right, now for USC, played San Jose State, and the number one talking point coming out of that game, the narrative was, well, the defense is still bad. Defense still isn't great. They were in a dogfight at halftime. Saw a lot of good tweets about, you know, USC's defense and their, you know, San Jose State is, is you know, taking all they can handle from USC. Like a lot of good stuff out there in the Twitterverse. We appreciate that. But for USC's defense, what they are in week zero and what they are when they go to Notre Dame October 14th, I think you'll see very different versions of that unit. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be phenomenal. I'm not saying they're going to be a top 10 defense. I'm just saying, let's kind of let that bake a little bit more before we decide to make a verdict on what USC's defense is going to be in 2023. Didn't look great. I don't think they were taking that necessarily as a life or death situation for their defense. I think they were still working some things out, probably still ran some trial and error stuff out there. And the good news for USC is they have some time to ramp up now. They got a runway. They don't play anybody. And I... You know, no disrespect to the rest of their schedule they got, but they don't play anybody until they play against Notre Dame in week, in uh, I guess it would be middle of the season. So at, at Notre Dame, October 14th. But you hear what I'm saying there. I think that's around week seven, week eight. Side note there, Zachariah Branch is special. Special playmaker. He's only a true freshman. We've talked about him a lot on this show leading into the season. We knew he's going to be phenomenal, but I want us to be aligned here. What you saw from Zachariah Branch running that kickback, that wasn't just a good debut from a freshman. That was a whole lot of special coming from him. And a lot of people are saying, well, you can't compare to Reggie Bush. You know, you can't, you can't just go ahead and crown him on that. I'm not saying he's Reggie Bush. I'm saying he reminds me a lot of Reggie Bush when he runs the ball back. Deshaun Jackson, Tavon Austin, Anthony Thomas, like his explosiveness in the open field and just the way he's going to be so dynamic for them. That to me is, is the vibe I get watching him play football. So a lot to get aligned on from week zero, but that's what I wanted to kind of set the table on. But uh, even so, man, we got, we got college football games we got to pick here. I'm going to go ahead and send out this tweet to let the good people know that we are picking this game right now. So shouts out to everybody joining the party right now. All right, let's get into it, man. We got Florida going to Utah. And this game last year, this was a thriller. AR, in my humble opinion, just said I'm him, and that was the reason why Florida was able to win that game last year. And now there's, there's a couple sides to that, too. The defense made plays when they had to, and everyone and their mother is wondering, what's going on with Cam Rising? Is Cam Rising going to play in this football game? They're not tipping their hand at all in Salt Lake City, and why would you? So I don't blame them for that. But for Florida, there is a lot of internal confidence. A lot of internal confidence. You don't hear them talking about it very much, but when we sat down with Jason Marshall at SEC Media Day, the sophomore corner for them, I think he let it slip a little bit like, yeah, we know, we know what's being said about us. We know what's, what the, the narrative is around Florida Gator football right now. And he told me, he's like, we're about to shock the world. And now I don't know if that's something that he meant to say on air, but regardless, he put it out there. And I think that's probably how they feel internally. I think there's a very real confidence. For Utah, though, I mean, they're like your favorite restaurant. You go there, you sit down, you know what you're going to get every single time from them. There's... 
top 20 in returning production this coming season. And it feels like with Kyle Whittingham running the show over there, every single year, returning production or not, you know the style of ball they're going to play. You know the approach they'll have defensively and offensively. You know they're going to be tough in the trenches defensively. Like We kind of know what we're getting from them. But going back to that question around Cam Rising, is he going to play in this game? At the time of us being live right now, we don't have a firm answer on that. But if it's not Cam Rising... It's going to be Bryson Barnes. We saw Bryson Barnes step in in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Bryson Barnes. I'm just saying if you don't have Cam Rising in this football game, you feel very different about your chances from the outside looking in. And even if you do have Cam Rising, how effective is he? We'll talk about that here in a second. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked the video. It's college football season. We can't waste any more time. We want you all a part of this. So thank you in advance for locking in with us. All right, so some keys to this game. Like DJ Khaled would say, man, a major key here, line of scrimmage. Line of scrimmage, and that's sort of football 101. Like, we're not providing groundbreaking analysis saying who wins up front is going to be a big factor in this game. But I think for both these teams, there's going to be a similar approach from a game plan style for Florida. They want to feed their best players. And their best players are Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. They are going to let them dictate the terms of this game. They want to feed them all game long. And the beautiful thing about this for Florida, they have two backs, meaning you can have a little bit more fresh legs series in and series out as you rotate them. For Utah, their identity is going to be the same as it's been previously with running the football and playing tough defense. But I think this becomes even more important for them because you don't know what you're getting that quarterback. And Cam Rising, even if he does play, if he's, you know, a little bit limited in his mobility, that makes it even more important to, one, protect him, and two, to be able to run the football to kind of loosen up that, that Florida defense just a little bit. So Utah wants to impose their will in Florida. They want to be able to give Graham Mertz a little bit of breathing room with making those safeties creep up, creep up, creep up, and then those receivers can separate and good things can happen. So that big question, regardless of what happens there, translates to what you ask your quarterback to do and for Graham Mertz like I just said there's two things we're going to ask him to do for Florida one we want to make that box lighter so that's going to be a key thing to watch if you're watching this game at home look at where the Utah safeties are lining up snap in and snap out I would be surprised if we don't see them up towards the line of scrimmage to start the game just because like we talked about the best players for Florida are the running backs we know that Utah knows that They want to add numbers, I would imagine, and say, Graham Mertz, throw the football. Beat us that way. And so a curious thing that could happen here, what if Florida, right off the bat, goes play action, hits a deep post, 30, 40-yard gain, then watch where those safeties line up at the rest of the game? So one, can we lighten the box if we're Graham Mertz to be able to give our best players some room to run? Or two, can we just be timely? Like, even if Graham Mertz's stat line isn't phenomenal, let's say he goes, I don't know, let's say he goes... 12 for 23 and two touchdowns no picks that might be good enough to win this football game if those two touchdowns come at the right time also it goes without saying turning the ball over can't be a world you live in if you're Graham Mertz now for whoever whoever's playing quarterback for Utah you just need to be able to run the show here we, we need you to keep us on schedule and we need you to not give the ball away to this Florida defense because a big thing that's going to happen here with Austin Armstrong now calling the defense for Florida whether it's a Cam Rising who's not as mobile as he was previously, or it's a Bryson Barnes stepping into this spot. Austin Armstrong is going to dial it up. He is going to test whoever's playing quarterback back there and see how much they have. Because if Florida can keep Utah off schedule, that changes this game drastically. 
if you can put Utah into obvious passing situations, advantage Florida every single time. Not because Utah doesn't have the weapons. They do, and we'll see what happens with who else is healthy in this game. But if Florida's able to put them in obvious passing situations, then you give Austin Armstrong the chance to either A, dial it up, or B, play a little bit more conservative and just try and get your offense back onto the field. So the early tempo of this game is going to be huge. And when I say tempo, I mean whoever draws first blood in this one, who's able to kind of catch the other slipping early, that's going to be huge because both sides want to be able to apply pressure to perform on the other offense. And what I mean by that is if Florida is able to, let's say, go up 13-0. Let's say it's 13-0, end of the first half, and you have either a not totally healthy Cam Rising or Bryson Barnes playing quarterback for you. That's a tricky spot to be in because they don't want to be a quick strike offense. They want to control the tempo. They want to ground and pound. But if they're not able to do that because they're down and they're having trouble getting things going offensively, well, time's going to start running out, especially with these new clock, especially with these new uh, these new clock rules. So, if we're getting a healthy Cam Rising in this game, I mean, I think I think you take Utah no problem. Like that's how I feel. If we were getting a Cam Rising copy paste from what he was a season ago into this game, I'm taking Utah. I'm not thinking twice about it. Now, with that being said. I really think that Florida's defense with Austin Armstrong is going to be substantially improved from where they were a season ago, even more so. I think the depth for Florida's defense is in a different place, and we're going to find out here. We're going to find out early. Yes, it's week one. Yes, you're fresh, but the altitude with Utah and Salt Lake City, that's going to give us a good temperature, at least, for where they're at defensively. I think with Etienne and Montreal Johnson, with those two cats running the football for you, takes the pressure off Graham Mertz. And I also think this fresh start for Graham Mertz is going to be a game changer to what he could be going forward. Like, I think what we saw with Michael Penix Jr. and with, with Bo Nix and, heck, with Joe Burrow forever ago. I mean, like, we're, we're going to see a, I think, revitalized Graham Mertz in a situation where they're going to rally around him and put him in position to succeed. And so I think we actually see Florida win a close one in this game. I think Florida ends up winning. I think they find a way to make a few plays late. And I think they win this football game 27 to 24. A lot of that, again, is predicated on if you get Cam Rising at all and what version of him you get. I don't know enough about that right now. None of us do. Credit to Utah. I'm picking Florida to win this football game. And think about what that would do from the confidence standpoint for Florida. How much have we talked about Florida and what they're not going to be in 2023 and it's a rebuilding year and all that still may be true about them trying to kind of build for the future. But if you were to go to Utah and beat the back-to-back Pac-12 champs, think about one, the confidence boost and the way that we look at Billy Napier going forward. Think about what that does for Graham Mertz. I know there, there's a lot of talk about what he hasn't done and what, what he wasn't at Wisconsin, but if he goes out and leads this team on the road to a win over Utah, I think you can kind of drop the mic if you're Graham Mertz and say, all right, we done talking now? We done having opinions about me? Let's go play. So I'm excited to watch this one. Again, we got Florida winning this game. Utah's a six and a half point favorite, so it goes without saying uh, we have Florida covering that number, and we also have Florida winning the game. That's Thursday night, ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern. Lock it in, baby. College football is all the way back. All the way back alert for college football. So, Appreciate everybody tuned in live. You could like the video. We would greatly appreciate it. We are rolling right along here. We got a lot of games to predict here. We got North Carolina, South Carolina. We got Florida State LSU here in just a few minutes. We got Clemson at Duke. 
That's, that's going to be an interesting one. I can't wait to break that one down. You know what else is all the way back, though, as we get into the college football season? The good people at Bird Dogs, because Bird Dogs is bringing you the hard cat, and we're so freaking grateful for it, because Bird Dogs are a couple of things. One, they feel good. Like, if you're, if you're like me, if it doesn't feel good on your body, if you're wearing some shorts that aren't Bird Dogs, and they're not very breathable, you can't really move around, what are we doing here? Like, we, we totally missed the assignment. We're getting into the college football season. Comfort is key. It's good to look good. We'll talk about that in a second, but comfort is key. If it's not comfortable, you don't put it on your body, you don't run into that situation with bird dogs keeping you fitted from head to toe. So that's the first part. Second part we need to address, like I was just saying, looking good for a lot of us is, you know, the second part of that equation, but it's still important, man. Still important, especially as we're starting week one, a lot of eyeballs. We're, we're, we're in prime time right now. All of us are as we get ready for the season. It's important to start strong. Start strong by looking good. Bird dogs, man, I'm telling you what, they got all the styles you want, all the colors you want, and they're comfortable. So feel good, look good. Bird dogs, we appreciate them bringing you the hard count. If you want to go ahead and redeem code JD from birddogs.com at checkout, get you a hydro flask-like kind of cup. Going to take care of you, whatever you want in there for game day. Promise you, you won't regret it. So redeem code JD from birddogs.com to get you one of those and to feel good, look good. Feel good, look good, play good. Root on your team good. Appreciate y'all for rocking with Bird Dogs as we are rocking with them as well. All right, let's keep moving right along here. Battle of the Carolinas, Saturday, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. This is going to be a good one now. This is probably the biggest game of the Saturday slate. College game day is going to be there. Neutral site in Charlotte. You got North Carolina favored by two and a half over South Carolina. And South Carolina, man, this is a big identity year for them under Shane Beamer. Like, I've talked about them being one of those powder keg teams. They've had some momentum on the recruiting trail before. And I think it's all about deciding, okay, what are we going to be in the Beamer era? We've sort of overachieved when it comes to expectations preseason the last couple of years. They're no longer like that good story. They're no longer the, oh, we'll see what South Carolina is when they go line it up. Oh, that's nice they beat Tennessee. Oh, that's nice they beat Clemson. Like, people are taking South Carolina for real this year. And Shane Beamer doesn't want it any other way. What, what are they going to be this year? A lot of talk about the defense. It's a talking point, without a doubt. If they go out and beat one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Drake May, how are we perceiving North Carolina this year? How are we perceiving South Carolina this year, rather? That's a big piece of it. Confidence statement for, uh, for South Carolina should they win this game. Now, going to North Carolina, the internal feel, I would imagine, is they're being overlooked. A lot of talk about Clemson. A lot of talk about Florida State. You want to get talked about? You want to thrust yourself into that conference title conversation? Go beat the team who just took down the ACC champion from a season ago. That's right. South Carolina went and beat Clemson at their house. And if you take down South Carolina, what does that say about North Carolina? I understand it's different years, different teams, but you feel confident about where you are with Drake May. You're not getting him another year. Make a statement and put some... Put some fuel into that program before you leave if you're Drake May. And uh, I'm excited to watch this one. This will be a whole lot of fun. The number one question in this game that we all have, what does the defense do for both teams? We alluded to it a little bit here for South Carolina, but neither team played great defense last year. Both allowed around 30 points a game. And the reason why this is important is, does this become a game of possessions? Or does it become a game of stops? Now, if it's a game of possessions, that means like, hey, we just need as many bullets as possible to go win drives. 
Like, like it's going to be a matter of whoever has the ball last, that's probably who's going to win the football game. I'm talking like we're, we're, we're upper 40s here if it's that kind of game. So if that's the case, I think you give a slight edge to North Carolina. Now, it doesn't have to be this way, but the reason why I say that is I'm still unsure what we're going to get from Spencer Rattler. Finished the year incredibly strong. White hot. Probably a big reason why he came back to go and build off of what he did last year. New offensive coordinator now. A lot being said about him being in better position now with Dow Loggins and being a more streamlined direction for their game plan. But even so, 12 interceptions last year. A lot of those came during the first part of the year. Are we seeing Spencer Rattler kind of turn over a new leaf? Or is it going to be a situation where you, you, know, you have a couple plays where he makes great plays, makes great throws, tons of ability, but you have that moment where you're driving at the end of the first half and he throws it to North Carolina and you're like, man, what are we doing there? We're leaving points on the field. That can't be the case. I'm curious to see what happens, but if it's a game of possessions, I think that may favor North Carolina because of what I just mentioned. And then Drake May is the lowest drama player in college football. And I say low drama in the sense that you know what you're getting from him every single Saturday. If North Carolina loses any of these football games, the rest of their schedule, it will not be because of Drake May. I think it's a cut. I think it'll be because of the defense. So that kind of leads me to the next part of this question. If it becomes a game of stops, then that means the defenses for either side are forcing some points. And so I think that favors South Carolina because of the approach they're going to have offensively. And we talked about it in our big factors uh, video we put out yesterday for this exact matchup. South Carolina doesn't want to spread it out and throw it around the yard and go air raid like they want to run the football. Now, that's going to be a a bigger task for them based on what they didn't do last year. But I think Juju McDowell is set to have a pretty good year for them. Carry on Joyner also going to be a guy that carries the mail for them. What does that look like? We'll see. But if they can run the football effectively, that means they get to hold the ball longer, which is important because guess who's not touching the rock? Drake May. So I said this yesterday. The best defense for South Carolina may be running the football and keeping that offense on the field. Say, Drake May, we appreciate you being here, but you're going to have to watch a fair amount of this one, brother. Again, that starts with getting stops, but if they can do that, that would be, I think, a perfect world for South Carolina to live in because it limits the possessions for Drake May. Now, here's the subplot, and we always got to talk about this anytime we're talking about a game with Shane Beamer. What's going on with special teams? What's going on special teams, man? Because Kai Kroger was four for four with two touchdowns last year. If you're unfamiliar with the name Kai Kroger, he's the punter for South Carolina. There are a lot of backup quarterbacks that didn't throw four passes last season, let alone two touchdowns. And Kai Kroger did both, completed all of them. So just keep an eye on that. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be surprising at all if we see him show off the cannon for an arm a little bit in this game and they spice it up in week one. The other part, though, Shane Beamer, he really prioritizes special teams. In week one, across college football, I promise you we're going to see special teams errors and big plays. And a big special team play in some way means someone made an error. And the reason why, it's impossible to rep full speed special teams as much as you need to to be ready for a football game. People say it's one third of the game. It's not really because you don't have a third of the plays on special teams during a college football game or during any football game. But even so, you can't rep 11 on 11 kickoff. You know why? Because guys get hurt. You say, we, we could either have guys get hurt or get better at kickoff. What are we going to do there? Right? You kind of see what I'm saying. So who's able to make the fewest errors on special teams is going to be important. I also want to get ahead of this here. This is not going to be a quarterback duel. 
Because quarterback duel implies that whoever has the better stat line in this game, whether it's Drake May or Spencer Rattler, then that side wins the football game. I'm telling you right now, Drake May, I feel pretty confident saying this, will have a better stat line than Spencer Rattler. But the reason why I'm actually leaning towards South Carolina here, spoiler alert, I think South Carolina wins this football game because everything for North Carolina starts and ends with Drake May. And that is a lot of pressure. I love Drake May. I think he's one of the best players in college football. Probably the best quarterback in college football, not named Caleb Williams. But he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. And I think for South Carolina, there are more ways for them to win this football game. North Carolina, in my mind, has one. And that is Drake May goes off, just kind of says, I'm him, carries North Carolina through in this game. Could happen. Would not surprise me if it happened. But if I'm putting a bet on this one, I'm leaning towards South Carolina because it could be a thing where the defense improves. They say, we're tired of being talked about. They made some moves in the portal too down there in Columbia. Some of those pieces maybe step up. We'll see. Maybe the run game steps up. Spencer Rattler doesn't turn the ball over. They can play game control. There's more avenues for South Carolina to win this football game than for North Carolina. So for that reason, I'm taking South Carolina to play a surprisingly version of clean football offensively without Loggins not running the show. Spencer Rattler, I don't think he turns it over more than once. I think it's close, but I think South Carolina wins this football game 34-31. to 31. So clearly we have South Carolina winning and covering that plus 2.5 number. And the, the confidence boost that would mean for their defense. I said it before, but as much as they were being talked about this past offseason, even if it's not the best game for them, even if they let up 31 points, I think you still look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, we can build on that one of the best quarterbacks in the country we're not going to play too many better than drake may if we can get a win against him and that's the first game of the year we're only going to get better from there i think you like where you stand if you're south carolina there so we got south carolina winning the battle of the carolinas in charlotte that's going to be a good game man i'm excited for that one that's going to be an absolute movie of a time appreciate everybody tuned in live we're tweeting out and letting the people know we're about to pick Florida State LSU, so we'll give them a chance to get in here really quick. Make sure you subscribe to this channel, okay? We talk college football and only college football all year round. If you're new to the show, welcome. It's college football and nothing else. No additives, no preservatives, no high fructose corn syrup, only college football on this show. So make sure you're subscribed. We're live today. We're live tomorrow, the exact same time, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Also on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Come lock in with us, and we'll have a real good time talking some football, man. All right. So the game of the week in week one, on paper at least. This is one that people have been talking about like a rivalry game really since last season ended. Like Florida State and LSU, there's no like classic rivalry built in there necessarily. There's not like a traditional you know, LSU-Bama feel or Florida State-Florida feel. But even so, the way that these fan bases have interacted on Twitter is nothing short of just textbook college football fanhood. And I love it so much. Both great fan bases. This is going to be an absolute movie. Sunday, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. LSU, man, they lost this one last year. Felt like it should have gone to overtime. It didn't. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. They feel like they are a world's better team than what showed up last year in New Orleans because it was Jaden Daniels' first game at LSU. It was Brian Kelly's first game at LSU. They were trying to put some things together and almost got it done. And so ever since that game ended, they're like, all right, come on, run that back. Heck, we didn't even know who Harold Perkins really was nationally this time last year. So they're ready for this one. 
they're excited to get back what they feel like is theirs. Now for Florida State, a lot of pieces that won that game last year, they're back. They are number one in returning production in the entire country. Jordan Travis proved to everybody what he was last season. Mike Norvell, we weren't even sure if he would be there through Halloween last year, and he got himself an extension. For Florida State, man, the talk all offseason has been they could be a playoff team. Hey, they, they could win the ACC. Hey, they, they could be a team that really makes a move there and they take down Clemson. Like, this could be the year for Florida State. If they are going to be that team, I think it starts this week against LSU. That would be a statement game that everything that's been talked about with Florida State, all the labels you've put on them, they beat LSU in week one. I think they validate a lot of that talk. So the psyche here for both teams is fascinating. For LSU, it's a lot of, well, they, they, they made it to Atlanta last year. Is that where they're just going to go forward now from? Like, is that the baseline for Brian Kelly is just showing up in Atlanta, beating Alabama? Like, is that who they are? Curious to see how they handle that. Even more curious to see how Florida State handles this kind of talk because there hadn't been this kind of buzz in the Mike Norvell era. So now how do you handle everybody going from, is Mike Norvell going to be there, to eventually now it's, hey, are they going to be a college football playoff team? That's a very different dynamic to deal with. But if Florida State is able to utilize the leadership they have in-house. they got a lot of leaders now. Talent is back, yes, but leadership is back as well. If they can utilize that hype and turn it into motivation, good things are going to happen in Tallahassee. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're locked in. We appreciate it in advance for that. Let's talk some ball now. All right, big question in this game. Might be the big question in this game. What is the efficacy of Florida State's past game against LSU's transfer cornerbacks. You got Zy Alexander transferring from the FCS level, playing corner for LSU. You got Deuce Chestnut transferring from Syracuse, going to also play corner for LSU in this game. Now, Florida State, they went and got themselves some some transfer players as well on the outside. They went and got Keon Coleman. He's going to be an absolute dude for them. Wide receiver transfer from Michigan State. Probably the best player on Michigan State's roster. Now in Tallahassee, they've loved what he's done all offseason long. They feel great about him during fall camp. Felt like he's hit the ground running. Jaheim Bell, a tight end for Florida State who transferred from South Carolina. Mismatch nightmare, right? Really good movement ability. He's tough to line up with one-on-one. Oh, by the way, they feel good about the way that he's progressed as well playing the true tight end position. He played a running back a lot last year for South Carolina. If that tells you how much ability the kid has. So the, the reason why it's a big question for me, with all the new pieces LSU's breaking in in that secondary, is it going to be a situation where this is like the trump card for Florida State? Is it going to be a situation where, hey, man, we played great in all other areas of the game if we're LSU. Offense did a great job keeping up as best they could. But in reality, that was the one matchup that just took us to school. That was the one matchup we could not win was Keon Coleman going up top. Was Johnny Wilson, all 11 foot five of him, going up top, taking it off the top shelf where the kids couldn't get it? Or is it a situation where LSU makes enough timely plays? And the reason why I say timely plays, I don't think this is a situation where you just take away the pass game for Florida State. Like they have too much talent, and I think Jordan Travis is too good of a quarterback for it to be a non-factor. I don't think you stop them. But I do think it could be a situation where it's a tied football game, it's third and goal, and you find a way to get a pass break up and hold them to three instead of getting seven. That could be a difference maker for, for LSU. So I don't think you limit the Monstars, but I do think you could maybe make enough timely plays to be able to win that one. So that's going to be crucial. If Florida State can just have that be the matchup that they milk all day long, 
could be a long night in Orlando. Now, the other part of this, LSU being dynamic in the run game. That could change things for how this game works out because last year for LSU, let me read you a stat from this game. Against Florida State, LSU had 139 rush yards. 114 of those came from quarterback Jaden Daniels. So what's wrong with that picture? I said that the run game needs to be dynamic, meaning they got to be able to work that zone read game. You don't really want to block Jared Verse, to be honest with you. They feel better about the offensive line at LSU. That's 100% true. But you would much rather just read him and have him be wrong. Jared Verse is going to crash? Okay, that's fine. Jaden Daniels, he'll pull it. You want to just sit there? That's fine. Give it to Josh Williams. Let him run. If they can be multiple, be dynamic in that run game, that messes with the defensive line, kind of mellows them out a little bit, and they have a good defensive line at Florida State. Even more importantly now, messes with the safeties. If those safeties have to trigger because Jaden Daniels is tucking it and getting eight yards or Josh Williams is getting five, six yards a pop, that would be, one, a little bit surprising if they're able to have that much success on the ground. But even a version of that, if those safeties have to start running up a little bit more quickly, then we get to have a couple shots if we're LSU. Then we get to find out, okay, can we go get the deep ball on them? Can we get the explosive play? Because all offseason long, we sat down across from Jaden Daniels. And we're like, hey, man, a lot of people talking about the offense need to be more explosive, need to be more vertical. And we're kind of just trying to have a conversation with him. And he did not back down from that at all. He's like, yeah, we got to take shots when they're there. We got one-on-one. I got to go give my guys a chance to go make plays. Like, bottom line, 100% true. So he understands what it is. Like, Jaden Daniels knows, hey, if I'm going to get this team past Atlanta or back to Atlanta even, it's probably a fair way to say it, he needs to be able to push the ball downfield. So what that does to the box is interesting. I say the box in terms of like that area between the defensive line and the linebackers, really that, that you know, part of the defense that's responsible for stopping the run. If they're able to get some shots deep, well, then that box is going to be a little bit lighter. Then those safeties, they, they can't just trigger up and stop the run. So that's going to be huge. It's going to be very huge. One way this could happen too, wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike Denbrock and Brian Kelly say, you know, what? we're tired of hearing all this talk about what our, what our offense can't do. Let's just dial it up from the first series. Let's just take a deep shot to Kyron Lacey. Let him go get it. Malik Neighbors, let him go get it. Whoever it ends up being. I'm curious if they do that because then that would ultimately just kind of jump straight to that point where the box is lighter for Florida State and LSU gets to run the football. Now, to that exact same token, though, if I'm Florida State, man, like we were talking about, I'm coming out swinging. Like, I I am not waiting for this game to come to us and for us to settle in like, I am testing LSU from the jump. Both those corners, I'm going to find out real quickly what they are. Hey, you haven't played in the southeastern region of the FBS? Haven't played ACC football? Haven't played any SEC football just yet? Well, let's find out. Let's find out about y'all. See what you got. Because we feel good about Keon Coleman. We feel good about Johnny Wilson. And we saw them be really aggressive last year with Florida State. We saw them run that trick play, deep shot to Pokey Wilson, touchdown, track up the band. Like Life was good early for Florida State. And then LSU kind of found a way to climb back into it. If Florida State throws some punches early and they get up on top on LSU and they find a way to get up 14-0 in the first half, I don't think this is the same Florida State team you saw last year that let LSU figure it out and get back in the game. I don't think this is a team at Florida State that would make that mistake twice. And so I'm just saying, I I don't think it's a game that is over early by any stretch of the imagination. But this is going to be a tough Florida State offense to be able to keep pace with should they put pressure on you. 
And that's the world that LSU does not want to get into. They do not want to have to go score for score with this Florida State offense. Too much experience, too much firepower. If you give them a head start in this track meet and you're LSU, you're not winning this football game. Now, a big part of LSU being able to limit that and a big part of Florida State being able to take advantage of this LSU defense and take advantage, maybe even the wrong word, to attack this LSU defense is what you do with Harold Perkins. Because a big talking point for people in Baton Rouge when you talked about this game a season ago, it was, yeah, but Harold Perkins wasn't even playing in that game, really. No, no, that's, that's great. Not taking anything away from y'all. We'll see y'all week one, but Harold Perkins wasn't even in this game last year. He's in this game this year, and he is going to be responsible for helping stop the run, running sideline to sideline, but I think a big responsibility for him will be spying Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis now, I think he's still running around back there from that game against Oklahoma. He's making plays with his feet left and right making plays against Florida left and right. That can't be the way that LSU lives. And if Florida State is able to essentially break the game plan for LSU and Harold Perkins gets caught up in other responsibilities, playing pass coverage or bites on a fake, whatever, like Jordan Travis will make them pay. So keep an eye on that matchup. Harold Perkins playing linebacker for LSU and spying Jordan Travis and what happens with his legs, especially when plays start to extend. That'll be crucial. All right, now. So for our pick in this one, man, we went back and forth on this one, not just all week long, all offseason long. And I want to go on the record here saying this. It would not surprise me if either team won this football game. Like, I don't think there's a clear read either way. I think the talent for Florida State is there for them to really deliver some knockout shots early. And I, and I mean that sincerely. The wide receivers, Florida State, if they're just unstoppable, if that, again, if that is just the edge for them, game, set, match. Because then they can just pour it on, pour it on, pour it on, and score probably 40-ish. And as good as that front seven is for LSU, if you can't win on the outside and you're getting taken advantage of there, it's going to be a long night. But the reason why I feel more confident about LSU going into this game, I think the offensive line from last year in this game to this year in this game is just night and day. Like last year, it was throughout the course of the season really for LSU. Hey, pick a name out of a hat. That's the team. That's the, the rotation we're going with this, this game. And you just were, you were not solidified by any stretch of the imagination on the offensive line. This year, you are. This year, you got Will Campbell not being a freshman, actually getting the number seven patch. Side note, I think we need to get him the number seven, period. If a quarterback can wear 33, let him wear that single digit, big fella. But you feel better about the O-line. You feel better about protecting Jaden Daniels. And if you can protect Jaden Daniels, He's not going to have to just run for his life and ad-lib all night long like we saw him do last year. It'll be a tall task for the LSU offensive line, but I think they'll have a much better shot at limiting the sacks from last year. Because last year, Florida State sacked LSU four times in this game. Jared Verse had two of them. Jared Verse may still get his, but I don't think the disruption factor will be there as much as it was last year. So in this game, our pick, I think Harold Perkins being a factor in this game is a difference maker. Could very well go either way. I think it's back and forth all game. I think we've got a classic on our way in Baton Rouge and Florida State in this one. I guess the game is in Orlando, excuse me. So to pick this one, we got LSU winning this game 31 to 29. Barn burner. Florida State could very well still run the table the rest of the way, make the college football playoff. But I think LSU had this one circle for a minute. And what they have this game compared to last game, just knowing who they are as a team. I think LSU finds a way to win this one in Orlando. It'll be a good one, man. It's going to be a real good one. 
I cannot wait to watch it. I'm sure we'll get a fair amount of kickback in the comment section from the good people watching the show, which we appreciate tremendously tuned in right now. But I think LSU wins that football game. Massive impact. If LSU loses that football game, too, I want to explore that for a second. If LSU loses that football game, I mean, they got to go their SEC schedule the rest of the way, go undefeated. I don't know if that's happening for them. So that, that, that means a lot for both sides. But for LSU, if they were to drop that one, the, the climb out gets very, very steep. So again, we got LSU winning that football game, though. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. As always, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Only college football year-round right here. Thank you to all y'all that are watching right now. And uh, if you're new, welcome. At the end of the show, we get into the live chat and hear from y'all in terms of, you know, your thoughts, your picks, your takes. So make sure in the live chat right now, Nick Brake about to join us here in just a few short minutes, and uh, we'll unpack some of y'all's thoughts and answer some of y'all's questions. All right. Now, it doesn't stop on Sunday. You got ball Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's the beautiful part about week one. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. Monday, 8 Eastern, ESPN, you got the Clemson Tigers. The new look Clemson Tigers now. Cade Klubnick going to be out there dealing, going to Durham, North Carolina to play the Duke Blue Devils. Mike Elko and company, they got a quarterback down there. And if you're, if you're just now kind of getting looped into what's going on in the college football world, one, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. But Riley Leonard, in NFL draft circles, maybe the best quarterback not named Caleb Williams and Drake May. Now, we don't pretend to be an NFL draft show, so leave that as it is. Uh, but th they like him a lot. They like him a lot. He could be a game changer. For Clemson, they are not overlooking this one. Everyone kind of has their upsurge alert segments they're doing right now, and that's fine. But, I mean, Clemson, they understand how good Duke is. They understand they got to go on the road. They understand that they have some new pieces they're breaking in. Dabo Sweeney, if they win this game by 1 or 41, they're happy with it. So Clemson, they're, uh, they're taking this one seriously. They're dialed in, and uh, all that upset talk. If it happens, Clemson's not going to perceive it as an upset. They're just, they think Duke's a really good football team because they won nine football games a year ago. It's not getting past them down there in Clemson, South Carolina. Now, Duke, Mike Elko and company, man, they love this spot. And they should love this spot because they're at home. They're on a weekday. And you and I both know weird things happen in college football when it's not played on Saturday, and they are a double-digit underdog. They love it. You want to know why? Because they have nothing to lose. Yes, they want to play for an ACC title and all that. I understand that. They could still do that even if they lose this game. But they feel like they have nothing to lose. And there is nothing more dangerous than a team with nothing to lose. Because you can play fast. You can play free. There's no pressure on you. You can just go sling it around the yard, go play football, have some fun, see if you can make something happen. It's a dangerous team when you're playing loose. So I think some part of this, too, when it comes to who wins this football game, who connects on that first punch? Because if Duke is able to, let's just say they go up 10-0 on Clemson. There's a lot of new pieces at Clemson. There's a new quarterback in Cade Klubnik, who I think is going to be really good when it's all said and done and when he's finished at Clemson. But even so, in his first start as the guy game one, I understand he started games before at Clemson. I'm not here to talk about that. In this spot, though, on the road, you don't have that experience to drop back on. You don't have that, oh, we've been here before feeling. No, you haven't been here before. This is completely new to you. And oh, by the way, they have a quarterback and an offense that has been there a few times and that has a lot of ability. They scored around 30 points a game last year. They bring back 70-plus percent of that production. Like This could get a little bit slippery if they have to climb back into it. 
not because they don't have the pieces, but because this would be, I think, a little bit discombobulating for Cade Klubnik and Garrett Riley. Now, if Clemson goes up, let's say Clemson draws first blood and they get rolling and they're up 17 to three at half, it is going to be paramount for Duke to keep their wits about them. Because everything I said about, hey, they got nothing to lose, no problem, go out there and sling it. If they get down, I don't anticipate this football team having this attitude, but it's a possibility to where it's like, hey, man, we weren't even supposed to be in this game to begin with. Who cares? It is what it is. We're supposed to be here. We're here now, but we're already down. Do we really want to like circle the wagons? They are the champs. Like, I don't anticipate that to be their reaction, but I think it's a possibility that you would have to guard against. So who draws first blood in this one's going to be a very, very big piece of this. Big matchup I'm watching here, the Clemson team speed defensively against Riley Leonard's legs. Riley Leonard ran for 13 touchdowns last year. And I don't think this is a situation for Duke's offensive approach where they're going to like out-scheme and out-match up Clemson. I don't think they have the better players across the board. But in a situation where you have the quarterback run available to you, whether he's ad-libbing, which we haven't seen quite as much from Riley Leonard, doesn't mean he can't do it with his physical ability, or if you're calling a lot of quarterback runs to begin with, quarterback runs design quarterback runs, give the offense the edge in the sense that you have everybody blocked but one individual. Typically on a run play, you have nine to block 11. In a situation like this, you got 10 to block 11. So Riley Leonard, you make one guy miss, like, hey, we might be to the crib. And I don't need pancake blocks. I just need enough to where we can spring Riley Leonard, give him a chance to go one-on-one with that safety or that linebacker, whoever it is. If you win enough of those matchups and Clemson doesn't fit that right consistently, could get interesting. I say this a lot, but quarterbacks with dual threat abilities, they're just game plan breakers. Because as much as we haven't seen Riley Leonard ad-lib, doesn't mean he can't do it. And you could have the perfect scheme drawn up if you're Clemson. You dial up the perfect blitz. He doesn't see that boundary corner coming. Last minute, he spins out of it. New play. If you swing and miss on the perfect scheme because the quarterback makes a play with his legs, things get interesting. Like I said, brand new play. The play that you dialed it up for was correct, but you didn't get home. And now Riley Leonard gets to do something with his feet. Wide receiver breaks open downfield. You're kind of palms up at the sideline saying, what are we doing? Coach, I don't know. He's mobile. He broke what we had game planned for him. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I I don't know if, again, I don't think it's a thing where they're just going to be able to overpower Clemson. I don't think it's going to be hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. Barrett Trotter, excuse me, Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter, two of the best linebackers in the country. Peter Woods up front. I think he's going to be someone the country gets introduced to in a very big way this upcoming season. I'm excited to watch him. That's a five-star true freshman playing up front for Clemson. So keep an eye on that one. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. Uh, The new offense for Clemson is going to be fascinating because you have Cade Klubnik stepping into the race car that Garrett Riley's offense in. And there's going to be some very real poise required of him in this spot. Yes, it's on the road. Yes, it's the only game. It's nationally televised. Like, it's the spot for you. But Duke's defense last season averaged two takeaways a game. They're one of the best teams in the country in turning it over. So for Cade Klubnik with what he's done historically at the high school level and the great game he had against North Carolina, like it's going to be tempting now 
to try and force the issue. First game of the year, you're dialed up, man. You're juiced. You're wanting to sling the ball around the yard. You're ready to prove to everybody who you are. It's going to be important to keep him within this system. If you're Garrett Riley, maybe a little pep talk before the game gets rolling here. Hey, don't need you to do too much. We need you to take a profit. Had a great coach tell me this one time. You don't go broke getting paid. Just get paid. Take the check down. They're dialing it up. Get the ball out of your hands quick. You don't like it? Let's check out of it. It needs to be a consistent just take what the defense gives you. If it's not the big home run play, that's okay. Because if we do what we're supposed to do as a Clemson offense under Garrett Riley, that big play will be there in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, if we do the right things right now. So the poise for him is going to be crucial. It's a NASCAR of an offense. They're going to go fast. You got to be able to set the tempo. Got to be able to stay within yourself and not make that big mistake. Because the last thing you want to do for this Duke football team with who they have playing quarterback and what they do defensively is to give them extra possessions. Not to mention what that could do to the crowd. This is the game for Duke. This, I mean, this is the game. I mean, that, that stadium, if they're getting up for one game, it's this one. Like I said, national spotlight. Got the conference champs coming to town. If you turn the ball over early, they're going to breathe so much life into that stadium that's going to be hard to overcome later in the game. So that's going to be important. But here's the thing with me with this game. Here's my pick. Even if Cade Klubnik struggles a little bit, even if he's not looking like a four-year starter as a freshman, or excuse me, as a sophomore, even if he doesn't look like the guy, you can still turn around and hand the ball to number one, Will Shipley. Will Shipley runs with so much physicality. I think he's going to be great this year. He's been great previously for Clemson. You can just let him churn those legs, wear on the defense, and let him get his. So you want to have everything available to you if you're Clemson. You want to be able to be explosive and dial it up a little bit as the game wears on. But handing the ball to Will Shipley and leaning on him is an enormous luxury. I think that's the differentiator in this game. So I think Clemson wins this football game. I think it's huge for them that they have the time to prep for Riley Leonard. Dabo Sweeney, his entire time at Clemson, he is 12-2 and in week one football games. And one of those was to Georgia, who ended up winning the national championship. Actually, they're both to Georgia, but one was in 2014, and one was to the Georgia team that went on and, and won the natty. So his resume in week one games, pretty solid. I don't think this is any different. I think Clemson ends up winning this game 34-23. to 23. So I would not bet the line here. I would not bet Clemson minus 13. They, I could see them backdooring here. I could see them pulling away late and maybe tacking on a field goal or a touchdown in the fourth quarter to put them over that spread, but I wouldn't touch it. I don't like it. I like Clemson 34-23. Hey, big shout out to everybody tuned in live right now. We appreciate y'all rocking with us. We understand a lot of y'all just found this show today. Maybe you're looking for a Florida State LSU preview. We're looking for a little uh, Florida at Utah preview. We're glad to have you here, man, because we talk only college football every single day. Like I said, live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Hit the subscribe button right now so you don't miss when we go live. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Paquel on Twitter. We're still calling it Twitter. Haven't really gotten used to the whole X thing just yet. And on Instagram, at JD Paquel on both those handles because I'll let you know when we're going live and when we're rolling. All right, baby, this is what we do now. If you're new to the show, we call ourselves the People's College Football Show. You can't be the People's College Football Show and not involve the people in the show. So hopefully y'all have been getting after it in the live chat. Hopefully y'all have been asking your questions, getting in your takes. 
So we're, to, we're about to uh, break them all down right now with the man, the myth, the legend, producer, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? Week one. We're doing good, JD. Uh, just something to let everyone know. Um, so I threw up the Q&A at the top of the live chat. Mm. If you want to get your question asked, throw it in there. Um, there's too much going on in the live chat to, to find all the questions. So I'm doing it that way today. Uh, starting out with Tessa. JD, is FSU a legitimate threat for the college football playoffs? Yeah, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. And I think the thing, too, we picked LSU, but even with the massive impact that would have on their aspirations to be a college football playoff team for Florida State, they can still run the table and get into the college football playoff with one loss. It's a playoff kind of game for Florida State because of the stakes. But if you have one loss to LSU and you're an ACC champion with two wins over Clemson, you're not getting left out of the dance, in my opinion. So definitely a legitimate contender. But if they beat LSU, Nick, if we're just wrong, and I know you and I talked a little bit before the show, you like Florida State in this game. If, if Florida State ends up winning this football game, what a statement to the rest of the country that they are for real. They're just validating all of the offseason talk about what they you know, were perceived to be. Because, I mean, the spotlight's been bright in Tallahassee for the better part of the last few months. A lot of people looking at what they're going to be. If they beat LSU... I mean, they're not going to play too many teams tougher. I mean, again, you still got to play Clemson. I think you got to play Clemson twice, but uh, the, the tone that would set for them would be enormous. So definitely a contender any way you slice it. And uh, week one will give us a great litmus test. JD, I do have FSU this weekend. More um, power to you. I do. More yeah. power to you. Absolutely. Um, next question coming from Ethan. Who is your breakout player on each side of the ball for the Gamecocks here this season? Each side of the ball. That's a good question. It's, it's hard to not look at Nicholas Harbor, and I don't know what role he has early in the year. From what, I, from what I've heard, it's going to be somewhere in the range of anywhere from like 15 to 25 snaps a game. But just with the physical ability he has, I would not be surprised in the slightest if come late October, they're wheeling it around and letting Nicholas Harbor cook a little bit. So I'll go ahead and say Nicholas Harbor on uh, the offensive side. Let, let's go with... Uh, who do we want to go on the defensive side here? We'll go with Pup on the defensive side. I like him. I think he could be a breakout player for them. Tonka Hemingway is not really a breakout player, but uh, we'll, we'll go with Pup on uh, the defensive side for South Carolina there, Nick. Dude, you could put Nicholas Harbor on for both sides of that ball, honestly. Man, and <laughs> Just, I mean, it was an edge in high school. Yeah, he was, exactly. He was a stud for them. And his tape's, not, his tape's good, man. A lot of um, people wanted him as an edge. Next question. Okay, so Scooby, Scooby asked a lot of questions about Oklahoma. Um, I'm going to answer one of them. Uh, this one, talking about their defense, do you think it's going to be better than we've ever seen under Lincoln Riley now that it's with Brent Venables in his second year, J.D.? This is Oklahoma's defense? Uh, yes. Oklahoma's defense under Brent Venables should be substantially improved just by nature of what they did in the portal, man. Like, we, we talked about it a fair amount all offseason. They didn't have the personnel they needed to have last year to get it done. And a lot of that's easy to say because of, you know, the game against TCU and the game against Texas. But like, I wholeheartedly believe to run Brent Venable's scheme, you need a certain degree of athleticism, a certain degree of speed and versatility that they just didn't have last year. No knock on Oklahoma a season ago, but you look at what Oklahoma did through the portal. They understand we got to get better, especially at that cheetah slash edge position. We got to be more versatile. So I think another year in the system is going to help them. And I also think that what they did through the portal is just going to change the way that they're able to call this defense. So very talented roster, still a little bit of wait and see mode with them. But to say that, you know, they're, they're uh, a few years away 
I don't I don't buy that. Now they go to the SEC, so you want to have a good baseline laid down this season. But I I believe in Oklahoma, Nick. We got them going to the Big Twelve title game, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I like the way the Oklahoma's built personally. Okay, how many more, JD? How much? Let's let's go with two more. What do you say? Two more questions. That's good with me, man. Um, first question. I try to incorporate a couple of, like different teams we haven't talked about today. Uh, Slade Swan asks, "Can Wisconsin be this year's TCU with a new head coach? Ooh. Would you have to, or excuse me, would have to have things go their way? But OSU with OSU, excuse me, but their schedule is very workable. Oh, Ohio it's very State, workable. Iowa, Nebraska, all at home. So it's so workable. And the thing too, Nick, they could drop that game against Ohio State and still find their way into the Big Ten title game because we still have divisions for one more year." and they could find themselves playing Ohio State a second time. I wouldn't want to play Wisconsin twice. I will, I'm not picking that game because it's not happening yet, but I'm just saying Wisconsin could be sneaky. This is the team that you really got to watch this upcoming season. Tanner Mordecai, if you haven't heard of him yet, he's a transfer quarterback from SMU, threw around 70 touchdowns during his time there. He can sling the rock around. He was at Oklahoma for a period of time, so if that doesn't tell you something about his degree of talent Lincoln Riley wanted him for a period of time when he was in Norman they're gonna have a they're gonna have a very good chance to make some noise and they're one of those teams too Nick like if they can just get to Indianapolis with one loss just get them in the door whether it's Michigan whether it's Penn State whether it's Ohio State a second time just get them in the door because Luke Fickle knows how to win and the the way they're going to build it offensively this year, which is kind of the talking point, is they're going to be more air raid. Yes, they're going to be air raid. They're going to be more balanced. And they still have number zero, Braylon Allen. I say number zero because it's just sick. He wears zero. He's as big as he is. They're going to be able to turn around, hand the football to him, be physical. So if, if the whole balance thing doesn't work, you can go back to your identity of what you've always been at Wisconsin, which is tough, physical, run the football. And if you get in the situation where you just get within one game in the Big Ten title game, Wisconsin's going to be a, a problem, so watch out. Uh, J.D., so last question, first and foremost. If we didn't get to it, come back. We've got two more shows this week, 11 and eleven a.m. Eastern time. Um, probably a little less crowded since we won't be predicting LSU and Florida State. So we have a little bit more. Could be talking about it, though. Could it be, could, could be, be more crowded. You never know. Sure. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, thanks. And last question today, uh, let's get your opinions on Miami from Michael. Does Miami have Ooh. a legitimate shot to make the ACC title game, GD? Miami Mike. So he, they absolutely do. The curious part here now, they don't have divisions in the ACC. So you got to be one of the top two teams from a record standpoint to be able to get into the dance. So are they a legitimate contender? Yes. My concern with them is going from five and seven to winning the ACC or competing for the ACC. And the tricky part about this too, Mike, Miami and the ACC right now, there are some teams that have stepped up a little bit, like North Carolina. Don't love their defense, but you still don't know what they're going to be when it's all said and done. Uh, I think Clemson's not going to roll over. I think Florida State and their emergence, it makes it a little bit more crowded at the top. But if you're a Miami fan and you're looking for something to, to I guess, cling to, if you're looking for a path to the ACC title game, offense will be improved. Tyler Van Dyke, According to Gary Furman here with Kane Sport, he's like, yeah, Bama wanted him. That was real. If he elevates his play from what we saw in 2021, not 2022, 2021, where he was dealing around the yard and he was like a top 10 quarterback in all of college football and there was hype around him being an NFL draft pick. If he goes back to that but takes a step up and they have some receivers step up, 
they're they're going to be in the mix here okay so keep an eye on miami uh are they going to be a an acc title contender this year i'm a little bit more more bearish on miami than i have been in the past but i think they'll be a team that's somewhere in the range of eight wins and i mean eight wins after last year's five wins i think that would be a great checkpoint for miami in the mario crystal ball era nick appreciate you man yeah, dude, you're holding hey, it down. The craziness in the chat today. It's been fun today. It's been like all of the people that we've seen in the live chat all off season long. Everybody's here today. It's like a reunion. It's been fun, JD. I'll what see you What a tomorrow. beautiful thing. Nick, appreciate you, brother. Nick Break holding it down in the queue, making everything you see here happen, live punching the show, producing the show, setting everything up beforehand. We appreciate him. Best in the game. Nick, heavy lifter break. We appreciate y'all tuning in, man. I say it every single show, but I mean it sincerely. We are genuinely so thankful and so stoked to be able to do this for a job. Like even saying that is just hysterical to me that we talk college football for a living and we don't get to have this show unless y'all are the ones that are showing up and being a part of this. So I say it a lot. This is a program, not just here behind the mic and and we got the camera and all that. Like, I mean, y'all tune in the live chat, y'all watching right now, y'all on podcast at your job, at school, at your internship, whatever you're doing, you are just as much a part of this as we are on this side of things. So we're going to lock arms right now. We're going to lock in. It is week one of the college football season. No more time for us to miss each other, all right? No more time for missing shows. No more time for missing podcasts. Make sure you're locked in. Bring somebody else with you, all right? Hey, we're watching football. I want you ready for college football. We're watching the hard count Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. You can also find me on the socials, at Judy Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Tomorrow, same time, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.